Alan and all of those who've led us in our worship this morning, thank you so much. And as we begin our study time together, would you bow as we pray together? Father, we thank you for your spoken word. Father, we thank you for the words, peace, be still. And we know, Father, that you are the one from the beginning of time who created all things and by the power of your will, you are the one that can bring peace to our lives. And Father, at those times in our life when storms come, I pray for a greater faith as we look to you and as we trust you for your will to be done. Through Jesus we pray and all of the church said, Amen. April the 2nd, 1982, at 4.02 in the afternoon, what took place here in Paris, Texas? A tornado. Many of you remember that day like it was yesterday. You remember what you were doing before 4.02, and you even remember what you did as you finally realized that all these sirens that are going off in town are not just an accident. It's a major storm that has hit our city. And since then, we have tornado sirens that uh, really uh, let us know that something bad is coming. But when those storms come, what do you do? Now, let's be honest. When that storm came, everybody panicked, didn't they? I mean, it was a pretty scary deal, okay? If you've never heard Diana Welch tell her tornado story, it is a story to remember. Because she rode in a bathtub for a short amount of time until she was tossed to the ground from that. She's lived to tell and to talk about those stories, and she has had numerous interviews to talk about that. But what do you do when storms come? If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down at the very beginning of our time together because here is a truth, here is a reality that happens in the lives of us as Christians over and over again, storms come when we are living in the will of God. Okay? It's not that they're pleasant. It's not that they're fun. It's not that we wanted them to come. But just simply because you are living in the will of God, a storm at some point or another will come to you in your life. If we look in our text this morning in Matthew chapter 14, immediately after this mountaintop experience where the disciples had just been with Jesus as he's feeding the 5,000 people. That was a mountaintop time. That was a great moment. That was a wonderful experience. That was a, as a kid, we would look at that story and say, wow, that's pretty cool. Look what Jesus did with just a little bit, but he fed a lot. 
right after that mountaintop experience, a storm comes. We find it in Matthew 14, beginning in verse 22. Here's what we read. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed him, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. If you look at this scene in Mark chapter 7, the text will tell you that as he looked out on the lake, he saw the disciples straining at the oars to go against it, okay? And so as he's looking on that scene, when the disciples look up and see him walking on the lake, they're terrified because they don't have a clue who they're looking at. And so they cry out in fear, it's a ghost. And Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And so it's Peter who speaks up and he said this famous line that he's known for, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Even in a scary moment, even in the moment of the unknown, Do you see how the disciples respond once they realize Jesus is with them? All they could do was bow down and worship him. And when they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of the place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country and people brought all their sick to him. And begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. I mean, when they saw what Jesus could do. And they saw the power that he had. I mean, the power that just came from his mouth. From his words. They realized, man, this man can really do amazing things and so not just can he heal a storm and heal a a broken thing like that he let's go gather all the ones that are sick and all the ones that need to be taken care of and if even if if they could just touch a little bit of him maybe that would help you see when we're going through a storm Jesus does some pretty significant things for us in our life. The first thing I want you to see is this. He prays. 
for us. How powerful is it when somebody comes up to you and they know what you're going through, what you're experiencing in your life at the moment? How powerful is it for them to look at you and to say, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Or I want you to know I've been praying for you. I want to challenge us this morning as people of God, as people of great faith, instead of just looking at somebody and saying, I've been praying for you or I am praying for you, why don't you just stop right there and ask them, would it be okay if I prayed with you right now? I wonder what would happen in our workplaces if you would say that to somebody. I wonder what would happen wherever you are in life. You don't just have to be in the church house to look at somebody and say, can I pray with you about that? I'm challenging us this morning to take our prayer walk and our prayer journey deeper and instead of just saying, I've been praying for you, offer to pray for that person right there. Even if it's on the telephone, offer to pray with that person. If you look at the beginning of this text, Jesus, he's praying for us. And if you look at it, he's praying with longevity. During the fourth watch, this was between three and six in the morning where the disciples had probably gone out onto the lake and Jesus was on the mountainside praying at about 6 o'clock. He had been praying for them for as many as nine hours. Now stop and think about that for a moment. I mean, it's one thing for you and I to pray maybe, what, 5, 10, let's stretch it to 30 minutes, right? Can you imagine what would happen with the longevity of our faith, if we would stop and pray longer. And then, when you continue to look at this, he prayed and he was aware. As he's praying, he's watching. He's seeing all that's going on during this storm. Church, even when you think that no one else sees the storm that you are going through, Mark this down and trust this, Jesus sees it all. And not only does he see it all, he is the one of comfort that is there praying over you and for you during that storm. And he prays with intensity. When Jesus prayed on the night before his death, his prayer was so intense. Do you remember what happens? He sweated great drops of blood. That's pretty intense prayer, isn't it? And keeping and knowing the character of Jesus, we're safe to assume that he prayed for them just as intently as he prayed for himself. I wonder this morning, what's the intensity of your prayer life like? Many of you in this church, I look up to as prayer warriors, as people of faith. I know that I could call on you at any moment, and a lot of times before I could even say, can you pray for this, some of you have responded to me, 
already have been. I love that. That's the intensity that as the disciples of Jesus and as his disciples, that's us. That's the intensity that he's calling us to have. That's taking on the character of the one who created us. And so not only is he praying for us, but look in verse 25, he is coming our way. He's coming to us in our darkest hour. They were in the middle of the lake, probably about three to three and a half miles out there. The lake was seven miles wide, so they realized we can't go back and they couldn't go forward. They had lost all hope. I mean, they were just like a stalemate. They're just there. And so all they know to do, they're panicking. They're crying out. They're afraid. And you've got to realize as they, are, as they set sail and as they take off, the water was just as calm and peaceful as it can be, which is very common on the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, the storm came up I experienced the same thing one day on that boat in the Sea of Galilee our crew took off it was just smooth waters and we're throwing stuff out to feed the fish and before you know it a storm comes up and I'll be honest I got a little scared okay on me a little faith right I got a little scared, and I thought about this passage, and I thought about the disciples, and I even thought, I wonder if I really just keep looking out there if I'm going to notice Jesus coming to us, right? I mean, can you imagine what they were going through, what they were experiencing? I mean, it's a little scary, but we trust right now, we trust in our life by faith that Jesus is not only going to come to us, but just as he reached out his hand with Peter, he's going to reach out his hand to us, and that hand is a hand of safety. That hand is a hand of comfort where he is begging you, just hold on. Because when you're holding on to the hands of Jesus, you're safe. We even sing that song, Safe in the Arms of Jesus. My Jesus knows just what I need. Master, the tempest is raging. I love the chorus of that song, peace, be still. I mean, the storm builds, and all we can cry out at that point is peace, be still. And he is there to offer that. You realize the disciples were safer in the storm, in God's will, than they were on the land with the crowds out of God's will. It was a great place to be, even though it was scary. Looking back on it, looking at it from our scene today, we begin to realize any time that we find ourselves in a storm, we have to trust by faith that we're safe because we're in the will of God. And it's better to be there than it is anywhere else where you might think it looks better. And he comes 
and he speaks and he calms our fears and he says, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And so all of a sudden, they didn't know who this person was, but when he spoke those words, they realized, this is Jesus. And do you see what he's saying to them? I'm the one who made the sea that you're so afraid of. I'm the one that can control the storm that is threatening to steal your life. I'm the one who just a few minutes ago or days ago, I was the one meeting the needs of the 5,000 plus. So I was on the mountaintop with you. Now I'm in the valley with you. I can be on top of the water with you, on top of the mountain with you, or I can be in the valley with you, or I can be anywhere in between. It is I. Do not be afraid. It's just like the Psalm 23 that we read just a moment ago. And we're reminded in verse 4 of these words. Let's say these words together. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Those are not just cool words. Those are words of comfort. And that word comfort carries along the meaning of strength. So those are words of comfort and strength that give us hope. That about the time that we think we're by ourselves, we're not. Because Jesus is there. And he's coming for us. And then as we see toward the end of this passage, he calms us. Not only does he calm us, but he calms everything around us at the time. Having someone around to correct us allows us to know that there's someone who is in charge and that there's someone else who's in control. And when Jesus comes at just the right time, he comes to calm us down. Have you ever looked at somebody and said, just calm down, take a deep breath, it's going to be okay. That's what Jesus does. Calm down, I'm here, it's going to be fine. And he stills the storm. But you know what else? About that time that that storm is stilled. And we think, I made it through that one. Guess what? Another storm will come. To us or to somebody around us. Sickness. Life-threatening conditions. Lifelong trials, doesn't matter, they come. How do you respond? Knowing that you're not alone and knowing that you don't have to face it by yourself. Knowing that you have 
a great Savior and great people of faith around you really helps tremendously, doesn't it, church? And so I remember in 1982, I was 10 years old, and I remember what we did as a church. We responded. We didn't sit around and wait and figure out what's going to happen. This church became a haven. It became a home away from home for people in this community. It looked like Walmart. And I remember all the classrooms were full. I know, looking like Walmart's not always good, right? <laughs> all the classrooms were full of clothes. Foyer is full of clothes. And I remember thinking how cool it was as a kid. We had just a trail to make it right in here in the auditorium so we could continue to worship. And that's what we did on Sundays and Wednesdays. But on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, this church ministered to this community. It was a time of need, and we responded. That's great. We've responded in times of emergency situations like that, and this church always does a great job. But do you realize just a couple of years ago when we were planning and praying and thinking about our vision for the next 10 years, one of the things that came out pretty loud was we do not just want to be a church to respond to people in emergency crisis situations. We want to take that and be proactive and involve ourselves in this community with other people of faith and reach out to people every day, not just in time of emergency. And I'm asking you to pray and continue to pray that God will show us what those times are and how we will minister to this community in ways that maybe we've never thought of. God can do more than what we ask. God can do more than what we imagine. And we're asking for a bold faith that we can help people and that we can be Jesus to them every day of life, not just in an emergency situation. And by faith, we know that we can do that. And by faith, we know that whatever we imagine it to be, God's going to take it, and it's going to be much bigger than we could ever imagine. And I don't know what storm you may be going through right now, but I pray that you hear this morning that Jesus loves you and that he is there with you. He's right there in the storm with you. And if you just hang on for a little while, 
and continue to follow him, I promise you, he will lead you out of that storm into greener pastures. That's a promise from his word. May we have a faith that hears it, a faith that believes it, and a faith that will be blessed by it as we follow him more and more each day. So we're going to stand to sing a song right now, Faithful Love. God has always been faithful to his people. And it's because of that great love and that great sacrifice on the cross. Let's stand, and as we sing, if you need to come, come on.